Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh and welcome back to another episode of Jum'ah Nights. So last week we started the series with regards to the reappearance of our Imam alayhi salatu wasalam. So today we're going to be carrying on that series where we're going to be delving into three personalities that come prior to the Imam. They are the Yamani, the Sufyani and the Khurasani. So without further ado, let's get straight into it. discussing this in the following points. Number one, what do we know about the personalities of Al-Yamani and Al-Sufyani? Number two, what do we know about the movement of Al-Khurasani? And number three, what can we do with this information in order to further the mission of our Imam today? We have in a narration in Kitab Al-Ghaybah with regards to the time of Rasulullah. This is a discussion about the people of Yemen. We have a narration here. With regards to the praise that Rasulullah had for the people of Yemen, what did Rasulullah say? Jabir ibn Abdullah al Ansari narrates from Rasulullah. He says that some of the people of Yemen came towards Rasulullah. فَقَالَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَآلِهِ وَسَلَّمَ جَاءَكُمْ أَهْلُ الْيَمَنِ يَبُسُونَ بَسِيسَ That the people of Yemen have come and they've come with such a gentle style of walking, right? In a very humble fashion, very pious fashion falamma dakhalu ala rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam qala qawmun raqiqatun qulubuhum rasikhun imanuhum minhum al-mansur he says they are a people of gentle hearts and deep rooted iman deep rooted faith minhum al-mansur from them the supporter will come he will come with 70000 and he will support my descendant and the descendants of my successor. The successor being Amir Mu'mineen alayhi salam. The descendant of Amir Mu'mineen, i.e. the Imam of our time, will be supported with a mansur, with a supporter from the people of Yemen. This is foretold and prophesied from the time of Rasulullah sallallahu So this gives you an indication as to the level of importance of this individual who is described in the narrations as Al-Yamani. The one who comes from Yemen and he supports the Imam of our time. So of course we don't want to lengthen the episode. So we're only going to be going through a few narrations. I'm going to get through as much as I can in uh, the quickest time possible. We're going to look at a few narrations with regards to the personality of Al-Yamani and understanding a little bit more about him. Because he is so important and we can see that in the narrations. So we mentioned last week that we have the necessary signs, the Hatmi signs. Um, and the Yamani is one of them. So we have here in Kamaluddin wa Tamam al by Sheikh al-Saduq, he has a narration where he speaks a little bit about the Sufyani and the Yamani. The Imam says that from the signs of his reappearance, the Imam of our time, خروج Sufyani من Sham, The rising of a Sufyani from where? From Sham, from the Levant. Yeah, that's the land today that encompasses Palestine, it encompasses Syria, uh, encompasses parts of Jordan. So all of those are the Levant, Asham, and that's where Sufyani will rise from. وَخُرُوجُ الْيَمَانِ مِنَ الْيَمَنِ And the, Yemen, the Yamani will rise from Yemen. So you'll be rising from the people of Yemen. So we can see in this narration here that the Sufyani comes from Sham and the Yamani comes from Yemen. 
So we find out here that the Yamani comes from Yemen. Obviously, for some of you, you might be thinking, well, that's obvious. The Yamani obviously is going to come from Yemen. He's called the Yamani for a reason. But, you know, while you think that's obvious, there are loads of people today that claim, for example, in Iraq, that they have the Yamani in Iraq. Some people are saying that Yamani comes from Lebanon. Others are saying... People are saying all sorts of stuff, right? Even though we have clearly that it's the Yamani and he comes from Yemen, people try to extrapolate. They try to say, you know, this person, his lineage originally was from Yemen. So that's why, you know, we have the Yamani in Iraq or we have them in Lebanon. But all of these things are incorrect. We can see in the narrations very clearly that the, the Yamani comes from Yemen. So what does the Yamani do? If we have a look at a narration in Kitab al-Ghaybah by Sheikh al-Nu'mani, we have... With regards to the movement of Yamani, what actually happened? So we have in this narration in Ghaybat al-Nu'mani, we have a narration from Ya'qub ibn al-Sarraj. He mentions, I mentioned to Imam al-Sadiq When is the Faraj for the Shia? When will it come? So the Imam says, When the children of Abbas, the sons of Abbas, uh, differ amongst themselves and their sultanate becomes weak. And the one from them that weren't greedy before or weren't seeking the opportunity to rule now are becoming greedy. And the Sufyani rises. And the Yamani comes. He, he comes in this direction. In this narration when it says the asl in the word is that he's coming from the direction of the Qibla. Others may say that it doesn't necessarily mean that, but the asl of the word is that, that he's coming from the direction of the Qibla. And what are we talking about? We're talking about Iraq here. We're talking about Iraq, in that the Yamani will come towards Iraq. So he says, when all of this happens, when the Sufyani rises and the Yamani comes from the direction of the Qibla, then the uh, sahib of this Amr, of this affair, will come from Medina to Mecca with the Torah of Rasulullah. So the companion asks, وَمَا تُرَاثُ Rasulullah And what are the, what's the Torah of Rasulullah? So he says that it will be his sword, his amama, and other things like that, his flag, and these are the things that Imam al-Mahdi will reappear with in Mecca. So here we see that the Yamani comes from the direction of Yemen towards the direction of Iraq. And we see that the Sufyani also rises at the same time. And we have from the indications from the narrations that the Sufyani will send his army to Iraq, although he doesn't come himself. But the Yamani himself actually does come to Iraq. Something you might be a little bit confused about is with regards to the ikhtilaf between the sons of Abbas. Banu Abbas obviously have gone for many, many years. But here we're talking about Banu Abbas in that they are talking about a people that will be ruling in Iraq after the falling of the ruling of Banu Marwan in Iraq. And this is something that we spoke about actually in our previous episodes when we were talking about the Ziyarah of Arba'een. And we did mention it in a, in, in a little bit more detail. But this is with regards to the end of times. This is Banu Abbas that is being described with the attributes of Banu Abbas at that time. It is not necessarily the children of Banu Abbas. It is with regards to their characteristics. And there is some further detail that we spoke about in our episode where we spoke about the Ziyarah of Arba'een. Uh, but moving on very quickly So we find out here that the Yamani He comes from Yemen to Iraq And as we mentioned The Yamani is actually a very 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 important person In the narrations of Ahlul Bayt 
you could say that he is one of the pr most praised individuals or the most praised individual in the whole of Ghaybis al-Kubra in the second Ghaybah because he's given a status that has not been given to anybody else in the narrations. We have here in a very lengthy narration from Imam al-Jawad, I'm just going to read a little bit from it, that which is relevant to our episode. We see here ثم قال خروج سفياني واليماني والخراساني في سنة واحدة في شهر واحد في يوم واحد He says that the rising of the Sufyani, the Yamani and the Khurasani is in, in the same year, in the same month, on the same day. And then he mentions out of these flags وَلَيْسَ فِي الرَّيَاتِ رَايَةٌ أَحْدَى مِنْ رَايَةِ الْيَمَانِ And there is not a flag from those flags that is more guided, that is more upon guidance than the flag of the Yamani. He mentions here He says that this is a flag of guidance because it calls towards the Imam of your time, towards the Sahib Al-Am. So he's saying here that from those flags, the one that you need to focus on the most is the Yamani because it's the guiding force. It's the one that takes you towards the Imam of your time. And this is showing the level of importance of the Yamani when we're looking at the Zuhur of the Imam. As we see that this flag is mentioned as a flag of guidance, we can see this as a clear indication and a clear uh, understanding that this flag is one that has a clear and correct aqidah and has the highest level of understanding with regards to the mission of the Imam of our time. The Imam continues, he says, وَإِذَا خَرَجَ الْيَمَانِ فَانْحَظْ إِلَيْهِ فَإِنَّ رَايَتُهُ رَايَتُ هُدًا وَلَا يَحِلُّ لِمُسْلِمٍ أَنْ يَلْتَوِيَ عَلَيْهِ فَمَنْ فَعَلَ ذَلِكَ فَهُوَ مِنْ أَهْلِ النَّارِ لِأَنَّهُ يَدْعُوا إِلَى الْحَقِّ وَإِلَى تَرِيقٍ مُسْتَقِيمٍ He mentions, so if the Yamani rises, then rush towards him. فَإِنَّ رَايَتُهُ رَايَتُ حُدًا Because his flag is a flag of guidance. وَلَا يُحِلُّ لِمُسْلِمٍ أَنْ يَلْتَوِيَ عَلَيْهِ And it is not permitted for a Muslim to go against him, to go against his orders. This is making going towards him obligatory. This is the level of importance of Yamani that when he comes, it's actually obligatory on all of the Muslims to support him and to not go against any of his orders. And he says, The one who goes against his order, the one who goes against what the Yamani is doing, then he is from the people of the hellfire. This is showing that it's an obligation. This is an unequivocal statement. Because he calls towards truth. He is a clear representative of the Imam of our time. This is a level of representation that is unprecedented in the Ghaybat al-Kubra. That he is a complete representative of the Imam of our time. So if we're not to follow Al-Yamani once having recognized him, then we are in a very sorry and sad state of affairs. So this is something that's very important and it's very important that we understand the manhaj and the movement of al-Yamani. And as I mentioned, there's many more narrations that we can look into with regards to the movement of the Yamani. What happens? Which battles does he fight? What is his aim? What kind of person is he? What kind of people are in his army? These are all things you can find in the narrations if you look deep enough. Um, but we haven't got time today to go through all of those things. I just wanted to emphasize the importance of the movement of the Yamani. And the same way that it is important for us to know about the Yamani in the level of importance that he has to be followed, we need to know as much about the Sufyani because we need to stay away from him as much as possible. 
right? So we have a big emphasis upon the Sufyani as well. We have here, obviously, we had the narration of Rasulullah prophesizing the Yamani. We also have many narrations from the Ahl Bayt talking about the Sufyani and a lot of emphasis upon his character to the extent that a lot of the companions were scared of him, right? And we're going to see that as we go through the narrations. We have in Kitab al also, and I think if you have noticed, we're going through Kitab al and there's so many little markers here because there are so many ahadith in here that talk about the reappearance and talk about all of these narrations. You'll be able to see so much information about all of these personalities in this book. And that's why it's so important that we familiarize ourselves with this book, Kitab al by Sheikh al-Nu'mani who was one of the students of Sheikh Al-Kulaini and his book is truly, it's amazing. It's, it's really, really detailed and he's picked some of the best narrations with regards to the reappearance. We have here in this narration from Mu'alla ibn Khunais from Imam Sadiq salam, he mentions that from the matter, from the affair, there are those things that are mahtum and those things that are not mahtum that there are things that are necessary signs and there are things that are not necessary signs. And we've spoken about this in the previous episode with, in more detail if you want to have a look at that. And he says, وَمِنَ الْمَحْتُومِ خُرُوجِ السُّفْيَانِ فِي رَجَبْ He says that from the necessary signs is the rising of the Sufyani in the month of Rajab. So this is something that has been set up. This is Rajab Al-Alamat. And if you look into the narrations, you'll be able to see all the other signs that happen at the same time in Rajab. So the Sufyani in the narrations is actually one of the biggest Hatmi signs. This is the one to look out for and one of the clearest ones to see because the Sufyani is actually a person and the Imams have gone into so much depth into describing him, what he does, even to the extent of describing his physical appearance just so that the Shia are aware of him, right? So this is a, 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 a huge sign. We have in this, uh, in, in Kitab al but also page 225, we have a narration from Imam al-Baqir. He mentions... He mentions the Sufyani is red, Ashqar, blonde, and Azraq, blue. Some of the ulama, what do they say? They say that these are descriptions of his physical appearance. Ahmar, in the sense that he is reddish, i.e. he has white skin, fair skin. And that's how the Arabs used to describe reddish, fair skin at that time. They used to call them red. And then it says Ashqar, blonde. The color of his hair will be blonde. Azraq is blue. That will be the color of his eyes. That is what some of the scholars have explained. So we can see here that Sufyani, he's described physically as somebody who has fair skin, blonde hair, and blue eyes. So we can see here that the Sufyani has been given a physical appearance. And there are many theories, obviously, in the time that we live in today of who could be the Sufyani, who could be the Khurasani, who could be the Yamani. If we are to assume that these uh, signs are actually happening in front of us, in front of our eyes. And you know what? That is a possibility when you look at all of the narrations with regards to the Zuhur. There are a lot of signs that may show some potential of these signs actually being the ones that are happening or ones that are very close to happening. So we see here that there's great emphasis on the Sufyani to the extent that the Imams are telling us his physical appearance and the companions are scared of him. And that just shows basically how evil this individual is and how important it is for us to know all of these things about him so that we can stay away from him. We have another narration with regards to the movement of Sufyani. What does Sufyani actually do? So we have a narration in Ghaybat al-Tusi on page 275 of the edition that I have. It speaks with regards to the Sufyani. 
Imam al-Bakhir السلام, he says, إِلْزَمِ الْأَرْضِ وَلَا تُحَرِّكْ يَدًا وَلَا رِجْلًا حَتَّى تَرَى عَلَامَاتِ أَذْكُرَهَا لَكْ وَمَا أَرَاكَ تُدْرِكُ ذَلِكْ So he mentions to the companion, he says that you should stick, like, you know, stick to the ground. Don't move. Don't move a hand or leg until you see the signs that I'm about to mention to you. And I don't think that you will see these things. Of course, there's, he's not going to see these things because this is the time of Mamal Baqir and he's speaking to a companion at that time. And he's speaking about the signs of the coming of Imam al-Mahdi So obviously that companion, he's not going to see that. But the Imam is saying this so that this information reaches us. So we know the signs. He says, what are the signs? He says, اختلاف بني فلان A disagreement between... Bani Fulan, and we mentioned in the previous narrations that it is uh, the the children of Abbas that have a dis disagreement, and this is in Iraq. And a caller that will call from the heavens, and we've spoken about this also in previous narrations in the episodes that we did in Jum'ah nights with regards to Ma'rifa, right? We spoke about some of these signs and the Munadin Yunadi the caller that calls from the heavens, and he says, and a call will come to you from the direction of Damascus. In that it has been conquered Damascus has been conquered And this is to do with the Sufyani The Sufyani will conquer Damascus And he says And the swallowing of a village The destruction of a village In one of the towns around Damascus Which is called Al-Jabiyah And he mentions a few more signs With regards to which armies will come And where they will come from And he mentions the Turk and the uh, people of Rome, the people of the West. And then he says that in that year there will be great disagreement on the earth from the direction of the West. And he says the first of the cities or the first of the regions to be destroyed will be Sham, will be the Levant. And then he mentions, And at that point three flags will become apparent. Rayatul Ashab, Warayatul Abqa, Warayatul Sufyani. They would divide into three flags, the red banner, the red flag, the, the spotted flag, and the flag of Sufyani. So we can see here that the Sufyani has a big part to play in conquering Sham. Those are the lands that he's going to take control of. Those are the lands that he's going to take control of. And we're going to have a look at which lands those are. And this is where you see that all of these things are very relevant to the times that we are living in today. If we take a look at a narration in Ghaybat al-Nu'mani, so we have in the narrations with regards to the lands that the Sufyani will conquer. Hisham bin Salim narrates from Mamu Sadiq salam that he said, إِذَا اسْتَوْلَ السُّفْيَانِي عَلَى الْكُوَرِ الْخَمْسِ فَإِدُّوا لَهُ تِسْأَةُ أَشْوَرِ He says that if the Sufyani takes control over these five regions, then count for him nine months. That's the period of his rule. And Hisham bin Salim adds to the narration. This is not the words of Mamu Sadiq, but Hisham is saying that these are the five regions or the five districts that the Imam was speaking about. He says Dimashq, which is Damascus, wa Philistine and Palestine, wal Urdun, wa Homs, wa Halab. He mentions these five districts, which are the five districts that the Sufyani takes control over. So these are the five districts that the Sufyani will take control over and decide to fight the Imam of our time from these five districts, from this area of land that he has taken. And all of these are in Sham. So this is the area that the Sufyani actually controls. And one of these areas is what is Palestine. That is to show you actually the importance of this land. 
and the importance of this land with regards to the mission of the Imam because the Imam is going to be fighting the Sufyani over these lands and it's going to be the land of Palestine that the Imam fights them over so if that land is important to the Imam of our time then why is it not important to us if there's Shia out there saying that you know what has Palestine got to do with us is it important is it significant of course it is. We can see it here in the narrations. This is where the Sufyani sees importance. This is where he takes the land. Strategically, of course. And this is where we see the great war happen between the Imam of our time and the Sufyani over the lands of Sham. And by the way, when we look at the conquering of the land of Palestine and these other lands in Sham by Sufyani, some of the narrations indicate that when the Sufyani comes to take these lands, they will actually be under Muslim rule. So what we see is that these lands will actually be under Muslim rule and then Sufyani will conquer them from him. So this is particularly interesting if we do take those indications and we do understand the time, these times to be close, then it's interesting to take signs from this to see what could be happening next. And that moves us on very swiftly to the discussion with regards to the movement of the Khurasani. I apologize, obviously this episode is, is a more informative one, but this is really important for us to understand the signs that are coming up to the, the hall of the Imam, because these political signs, it might be a boring discussion where we're talking about, you know, uh, potential individuals, we're talking about people that we might not necessarily be even be able to see or might have not even risen yet. But at the same time, it is really important for us to know what is going on. We need to know all of these people, what their movements are, what they do, how they're described, so that we have a basic idea, just a basic idea. That's all we're trying to get at here. We're not trying to go into too much detail, even though it looks like I've read a lot of narrations. These are just scratching the surface with regards to these individuals and their personalities and what they do. And that moves us swiftly on to the movement of Al-Khurasani where we see that the Khurasani in the narrations, in contrary to the narrations about Sufyani and Yamani, we see that it, their narrations are more geared towards a group of people, a movement of Khurasani, the flag of Khurasani, rather than a specific individual. And there's a reason for that, is because we see in some of the narrations that it's potential, or there's an indication that the movement of the Khurasani begins way before the Zuhur of the Imam. We have a narration here in Kitab al Ghaibah, and of course, like I said, there's always theories about who these people are, which movement this is speaking about. We have a narration from Abu Khalid al Kabuli from Imam al Baqir. The Imam says, so he says, it is as if I am among a people قَدْ خَرَجُوا بِالْمَشْرِقِ that, that have risen in the east. He's speaking to Abu Khalid al-Kabuli here. He's speaking in Iraq. So he's speaking about the east of Iraq. The east of Iraq is what? Is Iran. So he's saying, قَدْ خَرَجُوا بِالْمَشْرِقِ have risen in the east. يَطْلُبُونَ الْحَقِّ فَلَا يُعْتَوْنَ They will ask for their rights to be given to them and they will not be given it. Then they will try again and they will not be given it. If they were to see that, then they will place their swords upon their shoulders. And they will be given that which they asked for. So he says that they will not accept until they become firm. And they will not pass that flag 
except to the sahib of the time, to the imam of our time. So this is a nation that rises in the east, rises in Iran. They have a revolution and then they have, uh, they, 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 they ask for their rights and they are not given them until they are able to establish that which they have tried to establish and they will pass the flag to the imam of our time. The, Im the imam says, Qatlahum shuhada. The ones that die from them are shuhada. They are martyrs. So the imam is clearly praising this group, right? We know that they're not as guided as the Yamani, but there is a praise for them and they do support the imam of our time. Amma inni the Imam, this is the most important line in this narration. He says, if I was to see that happening, obviously the Imam, Imam al-Baqir is not going to see that happening. He's going to uh, be martyred way prior to that. But this is speaking to us as the Shia. When we see this happen, when we see a nation rise in the East, not rise from Iran, and they have a revolution, and they are calling towards the path of the Imam of our time, and they, have, they go through struggle, when you see this and you see people die from them and they become shuhada, when you see this, nafsi. It would be at this point that I would prepare myself for the reappearance of the sahib of this amr. This is a clear sign for me now to get ready. Like there's no more playing about anymore. I need to get ready. And of course there are many theories with regards to who this revolution may be speaking of and I'm sure that you have already formed an idea in your minds. But we see here that the Imam doesn't tell us to go towards them and support them. The Imam uses very, very, very precise language, specific language. He says, bil mashriq, not min al mashriq. There's a slight difference between that. If they said min al mashriq, i.e. they have left from the east and he says they rise in the east so rising in the east means that it is something that's specific to the people there it's an almost like an ethnic thing it's not necessarily for me or for you that is not within that context to get involved into it the imam sets another path he says at this point i would prepare myself i would gather myself and what movement would the imam be on? What would the imam want you to join? He would want you to join the Yamani movement. The Yamani movement is the most guided of the flags. That is the one that you need to be aiming towards, right? The Khurasani is one that is praised, is one that we should support. But it is not the most guided flag. They have their errors. They have their mistakes. And that is very clear from the narrations, although they are very much so still praised in that the ones that die from them are shuhada. They are, they are martyrs in the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we see that we have other narrations also talking about the people of Qum, the people of Iran, right? And what they do with regards to the time that comes that is close to the Dhuhr. We have a narration in Bihar al-Anwar volume 57 on page 216. We have a narration from Imam al-Sadiq. And this is with regards to the area or the region of Qum. The Imam is praising the area and the region of Qum. He says, He says, do you know why that city was called Qum? And the companion responded, his name was Afan al-Basri. He said, Allah wa rasuluhu wa anta a'lam. He said, Allah and his Rasul and you know better. This is a sunnah, we should say this. Allah wa rasuluhu wal Imam a'lam. Then he says, Muhammad, عليه, 
He says it was mentioned as Qum, it was called Qum because the people of Qum, Ahluhu Yashtami'una Ma Qaim Al Muhammad. They will be there with the Qaim of Al Muhammad. You see Qaim and Qum. That's where the word Qum comes from. And he says that they will stand with him and they will support him. These are the people of Qum that the Imam prays at that time. And Qum is an, has an interesting story because it was actually founded by the Shia of Imam Sadiq. And at the time of Imam Sadiq, one of the uh, tribes of that time, Banu Ash'ar, they had gone towards uh, the, the region of Qum and that's where they actually founded that city of Qum. And that's where Imam Sadiq, he began to praise them. We have the famous uh, companions, Zakariya ibn Adam, we have uh, Sa'ad ibn al-Ash'ari, all of these, they're called al-Ash'ari because they're from Banu Ash'ar, not Ash'ari as in the school of Aqidah that, you know, they have in uh, the opposing sects. That's, they were called Ash'aris because that is the name of the tribe. So Banu Ash'ar were the ones to found or the, the city of Qum. And this is where the Imam praises them. And that's very interesting because we see in the Quran that there's a prophecy with regards to the people of Bani Israel. We have a narration in, uh, we have the ayah in Surah Al-Isra, verse number four to seven. We see that Allah says in the Quran, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, وَخَذَيْنَا إِلَىٰ بَنِي إِسْرَائِيلَ فِي الْكِتَابِ لَتُفْسِدُنَّ فِي الْأَرْضِ مَرَّتَيْنِ وَلَتَعْلُنَّ عُلُوًا كَبِيرًا Allah says that we had ordained upon Bani Israel in the book, لَتُفْسِدُنَّ فِي الْأَرْضِ مَرَّتَيْنِ He says that you cause corruption in the land twice, وَلَتَعْلُنَّ عُلُوًا كَبِيرًا And you will, re you, you will reach a great height you reach a grand level of power. So Bani Israel here are the children of Israel. Allah is saying that you're going to reach a great power, a high power. And then what's going to happen? Allah says, Allah So Allah says, so when the promise came for the first of the two to come to pass, we sent upon them uh, servants of ours with great might, right, to destroy them. So this is where the Allah, he's saying here that there's a promise, there's a prophecy that the Bani Israel, the children of Israel, Allah would send upon them those who will destroy them. And we have in this narration that it is with regards to the people of Qum. The Imam says, Imam Sadiq alayhi salam, this ayah was recited in front of him. Yeah, which is what we just recited. He says, They say, May we be sacrificed for you. Who are these people? Who are the people that are going to be sent by Allah? He mentioned three times. He says, By Allah, they are the people of Qum. By Allah, they are the people of Qum. By Allah, they are the people of Qum. So he says here that there is a prophecy that these people will be sent. These are the servants of great might that Allah will send upon the children of Israel to destroy them. So this is what we see with regards to the movement of the Khurasani. That these are the people that may have the potential of liberating that land of Palestine prior to the Zuhur of the Imam, prior to the Sufyani reconquering that land.
So the same way that we see that the Yamani and the Sufyani are at loggerheads, and we see that in the narrations that they mention that the Sufyani and the Yamani are like two racing horses. They're going to be at each other's necks. The Khurasani is also involved in a lot of these battles. And as I mentioned, you can go to the narrations to find out more about these. There are a lot of There's a lot of description as to what happens in Iraq, what happens in these lands that we have discussed. How do these battles go? What happens? Who supports who? And who basically is able to get the victory? So the Khurasani has a huge part also to play in the politics of all of the things that happen in the Dhuhr. So how do we use this information in order to further our understanding of the mission of our Imam? These things are really important because some of these uh, hadith are you know, very clear in what is going to happen. And some of them, if you were to really look into it deeply, you'd be able to see that some of them have actually already happened. If we were to take a look at this hadith in Kitabul Ghaiba by Shaykh al-Nu'mani, we see that this is one of the hadith that we have actually seen happen in front of our eyes. This is one of the things that has very clearly happened in front of our eyes and is a wake-up call to all of us. We can contextualize the events that are mentioned in these narrations with things that we have seen, right? We have a narration here from Amir al-Mu'mineen salam. This is Imam Ali salam, the first Imam all that time back Look what he says and look how we can contextualize this to the time that we live in and what we have seen in our lifetimes. Amir Mu'mineen says, إِذَا اخْتَلَفَ الرُّمْحَانِ بِالشَّامِ لَمْ تَنْجَلِي إِلَّا عَنْ آيَةٍ مِنْ آيَاتِ اللَّهِ He says, if the two spears are to fight in Sham, then this does not uncover or unfold except for a sign from the signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It was asked, قِيلَ وَمَا هِيَ يَا أَمِيرُ مُؤْمِنِينَ And what is that sign, Ya Amir Mu'mineen? Imam Ali says, Rajvatun takunu bisham yahliku fiha akthar min mi'ati alf yaj'aluha Allah rahmatan lil mu'mineen wa adhaban al kafirin. He says that there will be a tremor in the land of Asham in which 100,000 people will be destroyed. Allah will place it as a rahma for the mu'mineen and a adhab upon the kafirin, a punishment for the disbelievers. Fa'idha kana thalik. And if that was to happen, فَانْظُرُوا إِلَىٰ أَصْحَابِ الْبَرَاذِينَ الشُّحْبِ الْمَحْظُوفَةِ وَالْرَّايَاتِ الصُّفْرِ تُقْبِلُوا مِنَ الْمَغْرِبِ حَتَّى تُحَلَّ بِالشَّامِ He says that if that was to happen, then look, فَانْظُرُوا إِلَىٰ أَصْحَابِ الْبَرَاذِينَ الشُّحْبِ الْمَحْظُوفَةِ What does this, what do these words mean? The Imam is saying, if you were to see this, then look at the people of the Baradin, أَصْحَابِ الْبَرَاذِينَ What does Baradin mean? Baradin refers to the horses that were non-Arabs. You see, when you look at back at the time of the Imams, there were the horses that were there that were known as Arab horses. You know, the Arabs, they knew their lineages and they knew all about them. Is You know, Arabs are obsessed with lineages. So they knew the lineages of these horses and stuff. Baradin are foreign horses, horses that are not from the horses of the Arabs. And in some dictionaries, you'll see actually that they mentioned that Baradin are the horses of the Turkish people. But that was that is uh, because it came in a specific context but baradin in general refers to all foreign horses then he says ash-shuhb shuhb is a color is gray it's a color that can apply to multiple colors right we can think of this color to be the weakest form of the color gold something that is close to the color khaki al-mahdhufa these were the horses that at the time had their tails cut off or their ears cut off for some medicine reasons. Like, you know, some horses, for example, they have issues and then you have to cut off their tails or whatever to save them from a disease. These are the horses that are described as mahdhuf. 
So here, what's Imam saying? He's saying, look at the people that will come with the foreign horses that are khaki that don't have ears or tails. That sounds a bit strange to you, doesn't it? If you think about it. The horses that don't have tails and all of the horses are a specific colour. They're khaki. What does that sound like to you? The Imam here, he's making it very clear. First of all, the horses that were the colour khaki or the colour grey are very low in number. There isn't there is is very low possibility that there's going to be a whole army of grey horses or khaki horses that's almost unimaginable because there's not that many and also that they're going to be foreign and they're not going to have ears or tails a whole army of horses without ears or tails what does that sound like to you then he carries on and the yellow flags that will come from the west the west of what the west of damascus if we look directly to the west of Damascus, if you get a map literally, yeah, and you go to the center of Damascus and you draw a line west, it takes you to the south of Lebanon, the Junub of Lebanon, right? Yellow flags coming from, from where? From the south of Lebanon. Hatta, they, until they are, they are raised in Asham. So the Imam here, he's made a few prophecies. He said, if you see that in Syria, a great, uh, killing takes place 100,000 people die And then you see That The people Of the foreign horses The foreign khaki horses Without ears or tails Yeah Come in And the yellow flags Come from the west Of Damascus Which is from south Lebanon Until they are raised in Sham And that is In the period of great mourning And the red death So we see here That the imam has made A few prophecies here and we can very, very easily contextualize these. Maybe at that time, if you were thinking of horses without ears and tails that are all khaki and are all foreign, you would be thinking, mm, Imam Ali, that sounds a little bit weird, like with all due respect. But to us today, we can see that straight away. We can see tanks. We know what tanks look like. We know that they're khaki. We know that they're gray. We know that they don't have ears or tails. We know that they are modes of transport for soldiers. And those are the Russian tanks that we saw in Syria. That's what this narration is describing. And then it describes the yellow flags that come from the south of Lebanon. We know which yellow flags those are as well. We can see these happening in front of our eyes. This is a narration that the Imam said at his time, Ali alayhi salam. Then he says, فَإِذَا كَانَ ذَلِكْ فَانْظُرُوا خَسْفَ قَرِيَةٍ مِنْ دِمَشْقٍ يُقَالُ لَهَا حَرَسْتَ so he says, and if that was to happen, then look at the swallowing or the destruction of a village near Dimashq, Qud Harasta. And this is something that we haven't actually seen happen yet. Everything up to this point has happened in this narration. You can see that everything up to this point has happened other than the destruction of the Harasta. Then he says, And if that was to happen, then the uh, child of the liver eater, i.e. the Sufyani, will emerge from the Wadi Al-Yabis, the valley uh, in uh, the south of Syria or Jordan. So you can see here that the Imam says that after what we have already seen, we're only waiting for one more sign until Sufyani comes. This is a sign that we've seen in our lifetimes that we have actually seen. And you can clearly, clearly, very clearly apply this narration to what we've seen in Syria in the past few years. So we see here that 
after the destruction of the town Harasta, which is a town that still exists today. And there was a war there also, but it's not clear that this sign has actually actualized. But when this sign actualizes straight away, as soon as this happens, the Sufyani will appear. You, you don't see the Imam say Fanduru in the same way that he said it before. It shows like a, a period of time between that. He's saying here, as soon as Harasta is destroyed, you see the Sufyani rise. Until he sits on the member of Dimashq, i.e. he takes control of it. So if that was to happen, then await the coming of the Qa'im of Al-Muhammad. So these are signs that we have actually seen in front of our eyes. This is why it's so important to read these narrations so we can contextualize them. If we are saying that we look at all of these narrations and look at the, the lands that we've spoken about, the regions that we've spoken about, Yemen, Iran, Iraq, Palestine, all of these, all of these lands that are mentioned in the Rawayat are all lands of significance today. They are all lands where stuff is happening today. We have the narrations about Azerbaijan. We have the narrations about the Sufyani, right? And many theories with regards to these things happening. Al-Khurasani, the revolution. These, this narration that I just mentioned to you. These are all signs and indications that this time is very close. We are very close to this time. And that's why it's so important that we contextualize these narrations to what is happening on the ground and the reality of what is happening. And what's important to see is that all of these events that we've mentioned, all of these lands that things are happening in, they're all happening at the same time. There's never been a period in history, in the whole of history, where all of these things are so coincidentally happening at the same time. So this is a huge wake-up call to all of us to be prepared. It's what we spoke about in the alaim, the alamat, the signs that are coming up to the whole of the imam. They are generous signs. They are signs for us to be like, yo, I need to fix up. I need to prepare myself for the reappearance of the imam. And that is what's happening in front of our eyes. We're being told, look, this is time now for you to get involved, for you to be prepared. And that's what we need to take from this. We saw from those narrations that we have the prophecy of the people of Qum taking the land of Palestine, right? And then the Sufyani conquering them again. These are lands that are important. We need to be able to contextualize all of these things that we've spoken about into what is happening today. We need to be able to see those things in order to support the Imam of our time in the best way that we are able to do so. So make sure that you really think deeply about some of the narrations that we've spoken about today and you do your further research as well look into these books read these narrations yourselves you'll be able to draw a lot more parallels than you can actually expect than you actually expect with regards to our times today so these are the books that you need to be well acquainted with we have kitab al-ghayba by sheikh al-tursi we have kitab al-ghayba by sheikh al-nu'mani we have kamaluddin by sheikh al-saduq all of these books they speak about the Imam of our time, the events of the, uh, the reappearance, the understanding of the Imam of our time. All of these books are what we need to really, really, really become acquainted with so we can understand and contextualize them to the best of our ability and understand the events that are happening on the ground and be able to apply them to the mission of the Imam of our time. That is what will allow us to act effectively when we are expected to act and have a bigger picture of what is happening around the world. And may Allah aid our brothers and sisters who are oppressed all around the world, specifically in Palestine at the moment. 
we are in a very tragic circumstance but inshallah allah will aid them allah does not leave uh, a group of believing people alone and inshallah we will live to see peace in palestine inshallah i hope that's been an informative episode for you i hope that we have learned a lot today with regards to the events and the personalities of al-Yamani, al-Sufiani, al-Khurasani or even just a basic overview to get you started on your journey into researching these individuals. I'll see you again next week where we will be carrying on our series with regards to the reappearance of the Imam of our time. I'll see you again next week. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.